0: Do you think bananas are healthy? Think again. I'm Dr. Stephen Gundry, best-selling author of the Plant Paradox series. And on the Dr. Gundry podcast, you're gonna learn the foods to eat and the ones to avoid, to lose weight, boost your energy, and feel your most vibrant, active self this year. You'll also learn simple tips from the world's top experts on health and nutrition. Plus, you'll discover the truth about calories, how running could actually be hurting your health and why fat won't make you fat. Subscribe now to the Dr. Gundry podcast on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music or wherever you get your podcasts because I'm Dr. Gundry and I'm always looking out for you. Well, if you've ever said you're going to go with your gut, it's not just a saying. your gut really is connected to your brain and signals pass back and forth, of course, between our body and our brain It's where feelings come from. Unfortunately, 74% of Americans are suffering from digestive problems. They have symptoms like gas, bloating, pain. It's a sign that your microbiome may be out of balance, and perhaps that might be affecting the gut-brain connection. This may be bad news because there are some theories that suggest that the gut issues may affect mood and happiness. 90% of your serotonin is created in the gut after all. If your gut bacteria is out of balance, it could disrupt normal production and cycling of serotonin. Good news, though, if you rebalance your gut microbiome, you may start to feel better. Uh, Even better, this doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out process. You can change your gut microbiome and start feeling better in as little as 72 hours. Our friends at Optimizers have developed an exciting new formula that combines cutting-edge nutrition that you would normally find in two separate products. This breakthrough formula combines powerful probiotics and prebiotics. That's right, you need a prebiotic for the probiotic to work on. Restores balance in the colon and small bowel. Plus 17 nootropic and adaptogenic brain herbs in hopes of enhancing mood, hopefully managing stress, and perhaps even improving memory. It's an all-in-one formula, Cognibiotics. And it's the perfect solution for supporting your gut microbiome. Brain health, mental health as well. Oh, and here's the best part. Cognibiotics comes with a full one-year guarantee. So I encourage you to try it risk-free and see if it works for you. Go to cognibiotics.com slash Drew and use Dr. Drew 10 to receive 10% off any order. That's cognibiotics, C-O-G-N-I-B-I-O-T-I-C-S dot com slash Drew. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Dr. Drew Podcast. Uh, As always, we appreciate the support you provide to the people that allow us to keep doing this thing and keep winning the sales of the Corolla Pirate Ship. Uh, A lot going on on the website. If you head over to drdrew.com, we do a daily streaming show. You can sign up for a blast at drdrew.tv. And, uh, of course, After Dark, which uh, I think the Corolla world would kind of dig that show. So it's uh, all available. You can go to your mom's house or Dr. After Dark has its own Mm -hmm. access site. Uh, Today we're talking to Dr. Adam Harcourt. We're going to talk a little headache. Uh, Dr. Harcourt has a book, Mastering Migraine. And, uh, is that yes? That's the book, Mastering Migraine, and we're going to talk about some of the uh, means to go after it. Uh, Dr. Harcourt, welcome. Thanks so much for having me. So let's talk about the multiple causes of migraine and what a what a mess it can be for people.
1: It sure can. Um, where do we start? Um, what What I can say is uh, my book is kind of based around in, in my program is based upon the reality that migraine is ultimately genetic uh, which means you either have it or you don't and you're prone to it forever and the interesting thing though is the fact that it can be tons of different genes which is why we haven't nailed it down to one thing so uh, for example the on the extreme end something like hemiplegic migraine which mimics stroke and things like that um, has three distinct genes that we know that that causes it but for everything else we know that it has to do with ionic transport, which is you know, a basic way of saying that is the healthy, uh, healthiness of a neuron is impacted on migraine. And depending on which area of the brain it affects, that determines your symptoms. So the most common is head pain, but it can also be dizziness. It can be stroke-like symptoms. It can be ocular symptoms, all that kind of stuff.
0: So are we talking about neuronal transmembrane ion transport? Are we talking about uh, so endothelial transport? Because I know some of the more serious migraine patients I've taken care of actually have microvascular damage and stroke. They actually have stroke, not, not from direct neural damage, but from destruction of blood vessels.
1: Correct, that, and that's a great point. Actually, that brings up a really important point about migraine. When we usually talk about brain cells or neurons, normally we either think of them as healthy or dead, um, which would be kind of like thinking about a person right. as you're either perfectly healthy or you're dead, which right. is silly, right? Yeah. Um, so,
0: when and, and by the migraine, way, and, and let me, if you don't mind, I, I'm right now sure. sort of mostly coming out of a. Uh, COVID long hauler syndrome Uh, and and I assure you my brain cells have not been right not dead (laughs) but not right and uh uh, and and now we're supposed to call it PASC post acute sequelae COVID uh so PASC syndrome it's not fun people that have it for months and months I feel so bad for them because it's miserable anyway to your point yeah that uh, the brain cells can dysfunction
1: (laughs) Yeah, so it, basically what happens is this this can happen from all different stuff, but in migraine, there's about 50 different genes that all control different ion transport, whether it's calcium, sodium, potassium, whatever. And all of those ions help to keep the neuron nice and healthy, which is basically negative. Um, and what happens is when it gets closer to threshold or closer to not negative, it becomes unhealthy or what we call hyper excitable. And for people that have, say, a concussion, they can mimic migraine-type symptoms early on because they get this ion disruption. So this is why a lot of times post-traumatic headache is sometimes confused with migraine. Uh, but it has to be that genetic predisposition. And what it means is those ion pools or those parts of the brain just are not quite as healthy or strengthened as they should be. And the problem is you can't, at this point, fix the genes. We don't have that technology. So what I actually started doing and how I got into this was I was thinking, well, what, is the, what else can we do to lower that threshold or make that, that neuron a little bit more healthy? And the main thing that actually keeps the cell negative is protein production. And you get protein production through activation. And for, with my first few patients, I did simple things like uh, whether vestibular rehab or peripheral nerve stimulation or manual therapies. And we were getting really great results. I figured, oh, I got this figured out. And then obviously I did not. And <laughs> so that's how we got into, you know, nutrition and hormonal therapies and uh, laser therapy and musculoskeletal treatment, all this different stuff. And the point is, there's no cure for migraine, right? If you're prone to it, you have it forever. But you can reduce your chances of having migraine dramatically by reducing the things that A, stress it out, and B, lead to those parts of the brain being unhealthy. So what we try to do is strengthen those parts of the brain after we identify them by uh, exercises, therapies, rehab, and reduce all the stressors, so your nutrition, your hormones, things like that.
0: So I think most people understand that, that stress, however we conceive of it, is uh, something that you know is associated with headache, or, or people that have headaches, their headaches get worse. I, I suppose at this point, maybe we should be talking about whether or not you distinguish between so-called scalp tension headache or multifactorial headaches versus migraine headaches, or how do we how do we classify Absolutely. those things? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's actually one of the biggest problems I see in the research as well is a lot of times they'll classify things that aren't really migraine as migraine. So then you get all these disparate results where it's like, well, this was great for migraine. And you read the research and it's like, well, that wasn't really migraine.
0: Um,
1: And so what I tend to find is the most common patterns is the unilateral, mainly, I will say, mainly around the eye. So typically around the eyebrow, the back of the eye, people say like they're being stabbed in the eye Mm. uh, when they get it. But they're also saying, well, I also get in the back of the head or the top of the head. What I tend to find is that's not actually necessarily migraine. That's a different type, like you said, a, t- a tension or a cervicogenic headache that can also lead to migraine but isn't migraine itself. So there's this weird kind of blurred line that we yeah. don't have you know, hard data for to say whether or not uh, it is or it is not migraine. But I find the unilateral pattern, um, the aura is common about 30% of people. Most people think it's more than that, but it's about 33%. Uh, so it's usually that unilateral. And then it also we find it goes away with triptans almost all the time, not all the time, but a majority. So when I have patients that say, well, I tried res, sumatriptan, all these different things, and it never helped once. And most of my headaches in the back, that's probably not a migraine.
0: Right. That, that's kind of the way I think of it too, though. I, uh, every time... I, like you, I read literature and I go, I'm not sure what they're even calling migraine anymore. It seems like there's some – there's some <laughs> crazy. Li- some literature, they literally call everything every, – every bad headache a migraine. Uh, uh, and, it's and,
1: the most frustrating thing <laughs> in the world.
0: Well, there are – but I think there are specialists out there that would argue that's their position, that they want to put yeah. everything in this one mm-hmm. basket because to your point, everything is kind of multifactorial and blurred and there's no hard line between one and the other and they often coexist with tr- they'll say sometimes true true migraine or classic migraine and everything else migraine which is just weird <laughs> right
1: uh. yeah well, and it's, so I, to be fair, so I teach a course uh, on this and we actually take 150 hours to go through the pathophysiology, the yeah. treatment, all this kind of stuff. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, we won't be able to boil it down here. But um, the, the main point is it leads to the most frustrating uh, situation for patients because they just get tossed around. Yeah. They say, well, the tryptans didn't work too bad and yeah, go on yeah. to something else. And yeah. that's where we try to come in and educate. Uh,
0: and and just before I, I want to go back to how you're dealing with the uh Ionic state of the cell and what to do with stress, but first I just want to quickly uh, talk about another uh, common, not common but classic migraineoid kind of uh, phenomena, which is cluster headaches. Do you do you put them in with this uh, this same grouping?
1: Uh, so they're in the same grouping in, in that they're known as a, a trigeminal autonomic cephalgia. So you have your cluster headaches, you have your uh, trigeminal neuralgias, you have your um, which is just migraines. The, the, Those are-
0: let's tell people. So it's the fifth cr- the cranial nerve that has the f- the face essentially uh, sensory. Face. Yeah, they so have
1: so. they have three branches. the The one that's most associated with migraine is the first one around the eyebrow. Mm-hmm. Then you have one around the maxilla, and then down in the jaw. And with trigeminal neuralgia, for example, that usually hits the second branch. It's just more common there. Uh, whereas cluster headaches, they present a little differently because you actually get some like watering the eye. and just uh, they, They're called cluster, not yeah. because they're all over the head, but because they come for six weeks and then they're gone forever. Uh, and I will say they behave completely differently than yeah. migraine. I've treated cluster headaches. I've treated trigeminal neuralgia. And they, they don't respond to, to the same things as yeah. migraine does. We used, treat with, we used to treat it
0: with oxygen therapy. They still do that?
1: Yep. Yeah. Uh, they do more for the abortive state of it, not yeah. necessarily the preventative side.
0: Interesting. Gary do you, Gary's got he- headaches in his family, and so I, I figured he'd be interested in what you have to say today. <laughs> you, anything coming to mind yet?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm I think I'm very blessed to have not re- not experienced migraines myself, but my wife uh, experiences them on what I would say is a Tough level and then my sister oh. on a debilitating level. Like my sister will get knocked out for three or four days at a time if she gets one of these. My wife's a little bit more oh. mild. So I got a question from each of them and I guess I'll start with my wife who's more mild. Um, she basically said what 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 would you suggest that she do when she feels one coming on and knows for a fact that it is going to rock her in six hours or, you know, in an does, hour. Does she have an aura? A f- true aura? A does true
0: she- Anything happened to her before she uh, gets yes. the migraine? Uh,
2: I don't know. I, I can't say specifically what happens, but she definitely – she can tell me three hours before it's going to happen. Like this is – it's coming and I'm in real trouble. And has she taken triptans in the past? Uh, she has tried to no avail, I believe. Oh, that's interesting, right? So here we go.
1: Okay. So, and just curious, where does she get the head
2: paint exactly? Uh, I believe mostly behind the eye.
1: Okay. So, um, tryptans are interesting because they target the serotonin receptors, but most commonly they, they target what's called the 1B1D receptor, but different triptans target different receptors. So one, one thing is uh, a lot of times they'll be, they'll try multiple different triptans before they, they kind of count it out. But, um, my actual recommendation is, uh, we, and this is good timing. We just, uh, I helped develop a product, um, from a company out in Oregon, because we're finding that high dose ginger early on can be as effective as triptans and there's actually a study that showed uh, that basically the same level of, of satisfaction from patients giving either uh, ginger or uh, triptans sumatriptan specifically And so that was one thing. Then they added it to different medications. The point is we ended up concentrating it and making a sublingual form. And so we found that it's – for people that it works for, right, it's just like any other medication or supplement. It doesn't work for everybody. But for the people it works for, you're talking – Five, 10 minutes, we're seeing a huge reduction. So if you don't have access to that, just capsular ginger, the dosage is 400 milligrams that's been shown in the literature, and you can do that. Uh, but yeah, we have a product called
2: MGR that works awesome. We're really, really happy with it.
0: Has she tried anything else besides uh, triptans?
2: uh you know she's tried all of the different um internet remedies i suppose you know cold water uh hot water compresses caffeine anything else
0: pharmacologically not that i know of no. what about the fancier new endothelial targets amovig and all that stuff
1: yeah. So they're targeting that CGRP receptor, which is great. And Amavig goes more after the receptor, whereas the Ajovies and the Engalides um, go more after the actual neuropeptide. So when it comes to medications, obviously that's not my, I don't do a whole lot with medication because I find it more to be a uh, abortive, which is awesome if we need it. But what we ended up seeing is with Amovac, I don't really mind those that much because they don't actually do anything to prevent. Their market as preventatives, but they only kick in once the migraine has started. Mm. And what it does is CGRP is what kind of drives that pain pathway up once mm-hmm. the migraine is in process. And so what this does is just kind of turns down the volume. Mm-hmm. So I don't have a big problem with them. Um, now they have had some GI problems. They've seen you know contraindications and whatnot. But um, as far as difficulty to get off or messing with the type of treatment we do, it it doesn't really bother us. Whereas some of your anti-epileptic medications like your topiramates and and things like that, they are, they really wreak havoc on the brain and you go through a roller coaster when you're getting off them. So, you know, we can account for that, but it's challenging.
0: Uh, I got, I want to get back to the topiramate in just a second. Um, Crap. I lost my train of thought. Oh, the high dose ginger. (laughs) I I know ginger gives me GI disturbance. Any GI side effects from that?
1: Interesting now, so the studies they've done so far have showed that the not only does the ginger help just as much or can, but it also reduces nausea and things like that. so okay. if you are in the category that it gives you uh nausea, obviously that wouldn't work so well
0: so is kind of interesting medication right it it's a it, it you you originally made the point that the depolarization or hyperpolarization is the issue, and you 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 will talk about how you manage that but Topiramate specifically goes at that. Tons Correct. of tons of side effects. I don't I don't tons. disagree with Dogamax. you on that one. <laughs> yeah, because because it's a global. It's a hammer. It's a giant sledgehammer. And, and but but it does go at this phenomenon that you're interested in. So is it really just the, the side effects that, that are troublesome? That's what bother you?
1: No, what bothers me is that, well. So to your point, the the hammer is really what bothers me because yeah. what we find in migraines, you have focal areas of hyper um, hyper excitability. So. If you just have, say, the right upper brainstem misbehaving or being hyperexcitable, if you now depress the neuronal activity of the whole brain, yeah. obviously that's going to have a lot of side effects. But what we're trying to do is stimulate those areas of the brain, create more protein production so that they're more stable. So when you're inhibiting that activity, it's it's kind of like running uphill. But so you can't you I, can't
0: do your thing either. But we can.
1: But what we what we find is it's more of a roller coaster when you get off of it. So right. like, um, I'll have people that I've had people up to 600 milligrams of topiramate before, and every time they start to titrate down, you see a spike in migraine. Then it comes back to oh, level, oh, for sure. And then as they go down, it's just so. Um, it's just one that I don't like. Yeah, I don't blame with, you. But, my experience, but we
0: handle it. my experience has been if you have to use a lot of the pyramid, you're in trouble because you're going to be asleep. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to be tired. Yeah, that's uh, right. And, 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 <laughs> but if you can get by in a very low dose, like 25 milligrams, and you want to lose some weight? That's a really good combo because it suppresses your appetite too. That's but correct, uh, if you yeah. get up above fifty, the the appetite thing goes away. What's that, Gary?
2: Oh no, I was just going to say uh, I I just have one more question if you'll allow me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, my sister had a a different question. My wife is luckily still in a situation where she's hoping to suppress them. My sister has since given up hope of that. Oh no, and she is more worried about the long like the memory loss, and she was wondering is there any. Sure any correlation long-term with like long-lasting migraine sufferers and dementia, like down the road, does she have anything to fear from that?
1: Um, So to be honest, the the research is a little mixed on that. The first bigger studies that came out basically said no, which was great news. And then there's been some more recent ones that were like, well, maybe. Um, So, you know, to my point, it's obviously the goal is to just reduce the migraines as much as you can. Uh, But it's kind of like stroke risk and things like that. Yeah, if you have aura, it's slightly elevated. Yeah. But if you do all the things to keep yourself healthy, you know, it's not something you should be wildly concerned right. about. So
0: if it's prominent vascular component and you can – especially yeah. if you can see it on MRI – those people behave like CTE in my experience. Oof. It's it's sort of like yes, they're at higher risk, but that's not the majority of migraine sufferers. Right. It's it's the ones that when you look at their MRI, and you go oh boy, there's <laughs> there's stuff going on here. These all these microvascular changes, and, and it's like yeah, this is gonna be a problem. But but it, it's really not the majority. So good. Uh, yeah. So let's get back to what you do to you know uh, let, how do we, well. Let's describe what it is you're trying to do first of all uh, on a cellular level. What it is you yeah, so- what do you want, Chief?
1: Yeah, so the basic idea is, uh, anytime a neuron is activated, it creates what's called this immediate early gene response. It stimulates the the, the, the DNA to create more proteins, and that's how the the cell stays healthy. And, and I'm gonna have,
0: I'm gonna have a million questions, so p- pardon me for jumping in, but, <laughs> that's fine. but that's when great. you say activated, what do you mean? Like like its firing rate is above normal, or what do we mean?
1: Yeah, so when you so for you know those listening, when you fire off a neuron, you have to reach what's called threshold. So you normally are let's say negative seventy five millivolts. When you get input from other neurons, it raises that resting membrane potential is what we call it closer and closer to threshold, which may be 50, negative 50, whatever. Once it reaches that threshold, boom, you get what's called an action potential. That's how the neuron fires. It's kind of an all or nothing phenomenon. And that doesn't necessarily have to happen in order to be activated, but that stimulation from other neurons is what we're talking about, that dendritic activation. So, um, and that totally depends on what that neuron is made to do. So this is where, um, you know, if you look at migraine research, look at any modality in the world, and there's some research that says it can be helpful for migraine, right? And that's because right. every person that has migraine has a different area of the brain or side of the brain that is responsible. So let's say, for example, one of the areas is the facial area, right? Which is common. Well, if that's the area that's not so stable, doing things like stimulating, say, V1, like the supertrochlear or super nerves at a low amount can give enough stimulation to that part of the brain, that it creates more proteins, lowers that mem- resting membrane potential, but not so much that it becomes hyperexcitable and causes a migraine, because I have done that many times uh, and people don't like it. So, what you have to find is what is that sub symptom threshold exercise or therapy or rehab that you can do to get activation in the proper area at the proper time without going over the top. So, uh, a great example of this is light, right? Most migraine patients hate light. Well, light actually activates that kind of posterior middle part of the the midbrain that is also commonly affected in migraine. I'm actually finding this more and more that midbrain dysfunction is a lot more correlative with uh, how bad their symptoms are than than even uh, the pontine area, which is where the trigeminal nerve goes to. But the idea is it's not that light is bad. It's that in your case, too much light is bad. Right. So you might start with some green light or some blue light or just low lights for short amounts of time and build yourself back up. The problem is somebody goes out to the grocery store, it's bright outside, boom, they get a migraine. They say, man, I'm staying away from light forever, which is terrible because that's exactly what you need to do to strengthen those parts of the brain, but um, just not so much. So um, uh, the way we target it is by doing a full exam. So we do a a really comprehensive uh, neurological exam. So we look at everything from eye movements to gait, to posture, to balance. We have all sorts of different technology we use for that. But going back to the idea of dead or alive neuron, we don't look at, can you do an eye movement? We look at the quality of the eye movement. So can you do a slow eye movement? Well, that's great, but is it choppy? Are you jumping ahead? What does it look like? Because those eye movements correlate to different parts of the brainstem and the brain. And by doing all these different uh, tests, you can get a pretty good idea of okay not only what level of the brain or brain stem is not as healthy as it should be but which side is it on once you know that then you can target your therapies for that patient
0: and so you have specific therapies to the specific structure and laterality of the brain
1: yes so think th- this is a great idea um so think about uh, ocular motor function, right? Yeah. So if you're looking at the way the eyes move, most of that's in the midbrain, a little bit in the, the pontine area, but the, the area that also controls convergence, your eyes coming together, just sits right in front of that periaqueductal gray matter. And the periaqueductal gray has been shown to be one of the main uh, points of failure in inhibiting the trigeminal uh system, which is to inhibit pain in the face. And so if that system's not working so well, you're going to have some problems. And so something I see really commonly is when you do convergence exercises with these patients, they either hate it and they're mad at you, uh, or they just can't do it very well. And so by rehabbing either vergence exercises or um, vertical eye movements that look really, really simple, these patients get exhausted. But once they can do it efficiently that area not only has become more stable, it's also, because it's a neurological system, it's also affected the areas directly around it. So the closer you can get to the area or the nidus of dysfunction, the more activation or the more electrical activation you're going to get in that area.
0: Interesting. The periaqueductal gray is a mystery to me. I, I don't do I, it. comes wild. up and it comes up in a lot of things. And I do not understand what it's doing. <laughs> do you? Do you have any well, sense of it?
1: Yeah, there, there's actually a great, so if you really want to get into this, there's a great paper um, by a, a world-renowned uh, migraine doctor, Dr. Goadsby, and he put out a paper called The Pathophysiology of Migraine about three or four years ago. It's got a great little diagram in there, and it shows how that trigeminal nucleus, the one that senses pain, it's influenced by so many different things, one of the big ones being the periaqueductal gray, the locus ceruleus, all these things. And the periaqueductal gray is essentially your endogenous opioid system, so it's, it releases opioids to help inhibit that pain right and what we are seeing more and more in migraine patients really interestingly is a recent study showed that MRI of the midbrain is showing iron deposition in the, the periaqueductal gray of migraine patients, which is wild hmm. but it would also explain the dysfunction that we 're seeing on a regular basis so Again, I don't completely understand that correlation either, but yeah. uh, we're starting to understand that there's something there.
0: I'm trying to think from an evolutionary perspective why why all that input into the sensory mechanism. I get it into the facial nerve, and because so much communication is is about what's going on internally in us is communicated through the facial nerve, the motor function. Why all the input? Into the sensory function, that's kind of weird to me. Well,
1: the the midbrain is is our lizard brain, right? That's yeah. yeah. Where everything kind of enveloped or developed out of there. Yeah. And so, you know, that tectospinal tract, the one where if you hear a loud noise, you look at it, that's all midbrain. Yeah. And so, the cortex is really developed to inhibit the midbrain, yeah, or to keep it from, you know. Doing crazy lizard brain type stuff all the time, and so when that starts to go uh, south, you get you can get all sorts of problems from dizziness to nausea to headaches to, to all sorts of
0: symptoms. Very interesting. Uh, is there anything from a, a dietary standpoint that you found is useful?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So there's a ton of different supplemental stuff you can do. But from a dietary standpoint, I always start with the, the big four, the big four, I call are gluten, dairy, caffeine and alcohol. And I'll tell you, I always get a big pushback on the caffeine. But trust me, I've gotten 1000s of people off of caffeine, you can do it. Um, the big thing with caffeine is most people don't realize that it's kind of a, a bell shaped curve uh, for withdrawal. So the first day or so they feel okay, but then their headaches usually get way, way worse. And by the third, fourth day, they just say, screw it, I'm drinking my coffee. And they're almost over the hump. So if you can make it past the fifth or sixth day, you're gonna be in great shape. Um, so that, that's where I start there. And then you really just wanna embrace kind of a plant forward, uh, healthy diet, you know, organic, local, things like that. Now, from a supplemental standpoint,
0: well, hang on, is, hang on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get, go back to the sure. diet real quick before we get supplements. So, so gluten, you know, no carbs and low carbs, all good. You know, uh, no, no dairy is that what you said? No dairy, no dairy. That that wh- why? Why no dairy?
1: We find that it's uh, well. There's a couple of reasons. There was a recent study that came out that said gluten, dairy, caffeine, alcohol, chocolate, and citrus can all have a, this sulfation problem in, in migraine patients mm-hmm. where it's just a huge trigger. So, this so is a, is a, I also –
0: How these things, how these products are metabolized.
1: That That's one of them. Yeah. Uh, so it can either be a genetic problem yeah. or it's a very common trigger. Uh, a lot of people just have sensitivities to it. So when I do this, I cut all this stuff out first and then I add it back in to see if they're actually sensitive to Got it or not. It.
0: And, and caffeine, do you find anything about how people metabolize? Do migrant sufferers have a characteristic of – uh, inability, let's say, to metabolize caffeine.
1: That so, that's a great question. I don't actually know. What I do find is that caffeine is kind of a double edged sword, right? Because it's in Excedrin. it's in a lot of medications because yeah. it can help abort a migraine. Yeah. But because it's a drug, you actually you downregulate your CSF production and all this different stuff when you're on it for a regular basis. And so, if you're on it for long periods of time, bad. More likely to have migraine. If you just take it as an abortive every once in a while, it's okay.
0: I, I, I'm a, I'm a suspicion. I have a suspicion. This is just a just a hunch. Uh, that they're slow metabolizers. I'm a hyper, hyper, hyper metabolizer of caffeine. I literally Ugh. can drink the giantest cup of, you know, what anything you want to name. <laughs> and uh, and I, I shit you not, 10 minutes later, I feel nothing. I, go, I can go to sleep. No problem. You're like my wife. She yeah. can
1: go to bed after a cup of coffee. It's yeah, crazy. I, I could
0: go, I could go to, after a pot and, and maybe 20 minutes after a pot. And, and I have – zero headaches and zero problems with caffeine as a so much so it like caught my attention like I I can go on and off (laughs) lots of caffeine and hmm, I wonder if that has something to do with it kind of interesting Uh, and then finally alcohol my friend yeah I know and by the same token alcohol is kind of interesting in that having treated many 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 thousands of alcoholics they never have migraines so I'm guessing the the alcohol users you're dealing with are not the alcoholics or at least maybe not fully into their alcoholism if so But here's my question. Does the population you serve have difficulty stopping alcohol?
1: Not alcohol. Caffeine is my pick. That's what I would predict.
0: So that's exactly what I predict, right? So so migraine sufferers probably are not commonly alcoholic, which is kind of interesting, right?
1: That would make sense. I actually have a lot of people that tell me it's not a problem because they're like, man – if I smell red wine, I get a migraine, so no thank
0: you. Yeah, as, as opposed to I think through all my patients, I can't think of a – I mean, some of them get headaches when they're in withdrawal and stuff, but they're, they're really not migraine sufferers. They're in withdrawal. Uh, and even that is like not a big issue to them. The, the issue is get me more alcohol. <laughs> and so, <laughs> sure. And, and uh, so that's interesting. So I wonder if there's something genetically going on there. Yeah. Yeah. Back to supplements. All right. Now, now I'm ready.
1: Okay, um, so this was a when I was teaching the program, uh, we'd spend 25 hours just on supplements. So I went through all the literature, and honestly, there's a ton of stuff out there. So um, there's you know you have your basics, you know the CoQ10. Uh, a lot of people have tried the B vitamin stuff like that. All of that's great. All of it's wonderful. Um, but what I found is in the research, it's not only the supplement; it's the dosage. So a great example is they did a, a study where they looked at B6, nine, and 12, and they did the exact same amount of six and 12. But they did one milligram of folate in one study and two milligrams in the other. And in the one milligram group, they had like no change. And then the two milligram, it was like 50% reduction Mm. in migraine. So it's not enough to just say you have the products in there. You have to also um, get the right dosages. So the same company that's helping me with my other one, I just called them and said, hey, can you guys just shove all of this stuff that I found in the literature in the right dosages into one product? And that's what they did. So there's a ton that you can use, but... What I try to do instead of taking 50 different bottles is try to make it really, really simple so you can just take one thing for prevention, one thing for abortion, and be done with it. Abortion of migraines, uh, you
0: guys. Don't stop. Yes, correct. Sorry. Don't get into your (laughs) counsel mode.
1: (laughs) Yeah, sorry about that.
0: Uh, and so it's. In, I think the folic acid story has yet to be told. So much goes on there in, in the brain that we just, mm, you know, just even, I'm just even thinking about neural tube development in infants and the folic acid. Was, there's more to be told. Well, you've heard me talk about aging and how aging begins in our cells. Many aspects of our daily life can influence how our trillions of cells perform and ultimately how we age. Age-associated cellular decline, or AACD, is the time-related deterioration of the way our cells function as we age, beginning in our 40s, accelerating into our 60s. Over time, our cellular process becomes less efficient, which can contribute to things like fatigue, reduced muscle strength, and impaired cellular defenses. To help address these changes, try incorporating nutrients that work on the cellular level Incorporate them into your wellness routine. Celtriant is the first brand to provide a range of cellular nutrients, including nicotinamide riboside, urolithin A, and glycine plus acetylcysteine. Helps combat key sources of AACD. Visit com for more info and to find out which Celtriant products are right for you. Use code Drew 10 for a 10% discount. Well, I want to introduce you to our new friends at Air Doctor, and your kids, your pets, visitors bringing germs into the house, all the frustration of allergies or living in a congested city, household cleaning products with dangerous fumes. Now, you need to check out Air Doctor. It's a professional-quality air purifier with medical-grade ultra-hepa filter that's been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested bacteria and viruses, plus virtually everything else, including pollen dust, dust mites, and smoke. That's right. The Air Doctor captures 100% of particles at 0.003 microns in size. That's 100 times more effective than the ordinary HEPA filters out there. It's powerful enough to circulate for 450 square feet six times per hour. And Americans spend 90% of their time indoors, and that's where a lot of COVID spreads. According to the EPA, indoor air quality can be up to 100 times more polluted than outdoor air. And it's quiet. No need to worry about noise. Air Doctor uses their exclusive Whisperjet fans 30% quieter. That's right. It's a professional quality HEPA air purifier recommended by leading medical experts as an effective way to reduce airborne germs and viruses and protect your home. Make sure you get an air doctor to keep you and your family safe. Air doctor comes with a no questions asked 30 day money back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund. Just go to air doctor pro and the word doctor is spelled out. Air doctor pro. Use promo code Drew. You'll receive 35% discount. That's right. 35% off. But only if you go to A-I-R-D-O-C E T O R P R O dot com use promo code Drew. You may be surprised to learn that health insurances don't always cover the full cost of an emergency medical flight. Even with comprehensive coverage, you can get hit with a substantial deductible and copay. Protect your family. Protect your finances with Air AirMedCare Network's membership. As a member, if an emergency arises, the expense of air medical transport is completely covered when flown by an AMCN provider. Membership costs as little as $85 a year. And it covers your entire household every day, even when you're away from home. That is just pennies a day. We all know that the unexpected can happen. An AMCN membership is protection no family should be without. For a limited time, as a Dr. Drew listener, you'll get up to a $50 e-gift card when you join. Simply visit airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash Drew. Use offer code Drew. Well, we just had a little uh, technical problem where our internet went down here at the Corolla Enterprise, and so we're picking back up. We were discussing folic acid and the fact that that story has been completely told yet, and we were talking about supplements for migraine. Dr. Harcourt, you pick up.
1: Yeah, so we, we were just saying how the, the dosages matter, because in the, the one case where one milligram of folic acid did nothing, two milligrams was like a 50% reduction. So uh, what I was basically getting at is when I tried to look for supplements that had all of this stuff from the research... Most of them had one or two things. Some of them even had supplements that shouldn't have been in there, and uh, so that's why I ended up, you know, contacting this company and saying, "Hey, can you guys just shove it all in one thing so my patients aren't having fifty bottles?" And um, so that way they only have to take one thing for prevention and one thing for abor- uh, abortion of migraine. And that's is, that's I think that, that's where we ended. Is that
0: Biogenic um, Nutrition?
1: Yeah, yeah, they're a great company um, out of I think uh, Bend, Oregon. And there's a a doctor there, Dr. Hyatt, who's um, a naturopathic medical doctor and and wonderful at formulation, but they came up with this really cool way to put all this stuff together. And, you know, what I like to say is with migraine, there is no one cure, right? There's no nutritional cure. There's no hormonal cure. All those things are stressors, right? So I, I put it, what I, the way I describe it is the area of the brain that is not as stable as it should be is like a bucket. And when that bucket fills up with all these different stressors and it overflows or becomes hyper excitable, that's when you get a migraine. So for some people, their bucket is filled up almost entirely of nutritional problems. So they take a supplement or change their diet and it's like a miracle for them. Other people, the bucket's like 10% filled up with nutrition. So they might they might eat more perfect than anybody on the planet and they still get a lot of migraines. So what I like to say is instead of trying a million things, if you try these supp- this supplement, and it doesn't really help out as much as you should, or you think it should. It's not a big nutritional thing. It's not your bucket. More nur- mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, so that's what we get at. And, and that's kind of how we go after uh, the supplement side of it. Because realistically, you could fill your whole cabinet up right. with things that have been shown to help.
0: Right. Uh, I I had one migraine in my life uh, that I was convinced was a migraine in any event. And it it was when I was an intern and I was, you know, not sleeping, and I was extremely stressed, and I was doing multiple other things in the evenings and socializing and this and that. And I remember, like, I literally felt like, like a screw was going loose. <laughs> like I cannot take it. Like the, like I really exceeded some capacity that I was stressing. And I remember I was driving down the street at night, uh, going away from some class or something. I was I was just doing too many things, and I got blurry vision uh like really markedly blurry vision and a unilateral headache that was amazing and i thought oh this is what this is a migraine this is what this is and i slept and it went away that's great so sleep was Um, maybe one of the buckets right
1: well it it is and sleep and and that's the thing is i I named the four main buckets as nutritional hormonal musculoskeletal neurological mainly because that fills most things but there's all these other things that people are familiar with right like don't be dehydrated, make sure you get some sleep, you know, st- don't smoke, don't drink a bunch, all, all of those things that are just stressors on any system, right? You could have any condition and smoking or drinking or not sleeping is going to make it worse. It's just with migraine, it's going to be a more consistent thing because it's genetic.
0: I, I wonder why I, I've not noticed, and maybe I just have not noticed it, why medical illness doesn't trigger migraine and make migraines worse. I've not noticed that to be the case.
1: It it depends. So that's why, you know, so there's been studies coming out about COVID and migraine. um, And from what I've seen so far and what my patients have reported, as far as long-term treatment, all that kind of stuff, the research is like, well, it's not really going to make a big difference. But in the short term, because this is just a stressor on your system, many people have a day or two of, you know, just uncomfortable feeling or whatever. The chances that they're going to have migraine in those couple days after the inoculation does go up. I have seen a lot of patients that they just tend to have migraine. But it doesn't make them worse long-term. It doesn't mess with their overall treatment. You're talking so, about the vaccine. Correct. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, speaking – just – I'm going to take you off the track for a second. You seem to have interest in vestibular, you know, neuronal, neurological, neurological activity and stuff as well. Any interest in tinnitus ringing in the ears?
1: Yeah. Because so, uh, so so let there, me
0: tell uh, you. Let me just – I'll tell you, you. You can say what you're going to say. But I i developed horrific I, – I have a tendency towards tinnitus in my right ear. Actually, medication uh, will sometimes bring it on and i had unbelievable tenderness day 3 of covid where it was like literally like a, uh, like a buzzing like i never like wow but it has persisted to this moment and it comes and goes when i'm you know if, if i'm super active or getting tired it gets worse and uh, just just a new symptom and it's a covid is, related thing
1: is it mainly on the right side or the left side
0: exclusively right exclusively okay. right and
1: what, is it a high tone or a low tone?
0: High, high tone, though. When it started, this this buzzing quality was something I'd never heard before. It had a lower pitch to it.
1: So this is going to sound crazy. All right. Um, but if you want to if you want to play around with it right now, we might be able All to right. fix it on All air. Right. All right. Um, so if you have your cell phone, yeah, um, or somebody else does, there's a there's a bunch of apps you can use, but there's a, a real simple free one. I think it's called. Um, uh, let me look at it. It's called Clear Tune.
0: Clear um, Tune. Okay, I'm going to go to clear tune. It's
1: it's it Really, it's an app for tuning your guitar, but we can use it in a different clear way. Clear Tune. Um,
0: Hold on. There it is.
1: And so we'll just download it, and I'll tell you kind of what, what we're going to do. Is when it's, you download a chromatic it,
0: Chromatic Tuner, 4 bucks. That sound right? Uh, There's a free Chromatic we? Tuner also. Same yeah, one. Yeah, the one
1: that's Clear Tune I thought was free. It might have – they uh, might have started charging for it. Uh, uh, but any anything like that
0: would work. But There's it's called, called Clear Tune. Money. Well, Clear Tune is four bucks. Okay, let's try it.
1: Okay, so we'll do that uh, one. Um, so basically, what it is is it, it 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 acts like a tuner at first, and you can you know strum your guitar or whatever. But on the other side, it can produce a tune. All okay. right. And what you're going to do, and like I said, this is the weirdest thing because it's work. It what I find is this works about sixty percent of the time. All right. uh, and I learned this from my mentor, Doctor Carrick, and that's what he told me, and that's what I find to be true. Okay. So all you do is you're going to uh, hold it up to the ear that is um, ringing, and it, you're going to start it close to what you think the sound is. Once you have it up to your ear, you're going to try to it. I don't
0: know how to use the app yet. What, what do I do with – how do I get that sound?
1: I'll show you. So if you just go to the app – Yeah, I'm there. And then click the four bars on the
0: right side. Uh, that's I fine. see. There's like, like the, four
2: vertical lines above the circular thing, Hold Drew. on.
0: Hold on. <laughs> That's not coming
2: in on my this app. So I'm looking at a screenshot of ClearTune if you look up here. Do you see this? Yes.
0: See these four bars? Okay, right got here? it. Okay, done. Okay, click on that. Okay.
1: Yep. So then so then hit the middle button, the on button.
0: The on button, okay.
1: And you should start to hear a tune. You should be able to hear that. It should come out of the speaker. Hold, hold Make sure your me.
0: volume's up. Yeah, I'm checking that. No.
1: So it should come it's out. It's on zero. Speaker.
0: Octave says Octave Zero. Should I be on a different octave ooh, there it goes. Yeah. There it goes. Okay.
1: So what you're going to do is bring it up to your right beside your ear, yeah. and you're going to try to match the tone. So it should come out of the how, bottom how part of the speaker. How do I adjust the tone? You turn the wheel.
0: Uh, how do I get make it uh, to, to wheel to the
1: wheel to the right? Goes up, down. Okay. Goes down. Okay. So so you want to put it right beside your. ear? So the bottom part of the the phone is where the the sound comes out.
0: Not, I'm not getting the sound for some reason. There's a tuning mm-hmm. fork here too. Do I need to push that button also?
1: No, it's the – what will happen is you should hit the four bars. Hit the
0: four bars on the on button. I got that. Yep. Gary's coming in to try to work with me. Here we go. All right. So hold on. What is it? What's the uh, do we have a theory behind how this works? it just sort of
1: we have a couple different theories. Um, the the main one is if it most of the time tinnitus actually comes from uh um, more that temporal area in the yeah, brain, yeah, because the, the way the cochlea works is once it unwinds, the exact um uh, decibels match up to the primary yeah. auditory cortex in the brain. And so, what happens is again, if it's can you hear it?
0: Yeah, yeah, I hear it now. Oh, uh, so hold that
1: okay, yeah, so yeah, yeah. spin the
0: wheel, yeah. Finish your thoughts though, about the wheel. The, and t- Finish your thought about the. Oh yeah, I was going to say.
1: So what happens is when that area becomes dysfunctional from stress or whatever it is, yeah. and it starts to become hyper excitable, you have the sensation or you feel like you're hearing something yeah. when you're actually not. So you're yeah. not getting the stimulation of the cochlea, just in the temporal lobe. Yeah. And so what this does is it gets activation to those areas, brings them further away from threshold with a minute, about two minutes, and then the the sound goes away. I, I worry that
0: I injured something because I, I really felt like a head that's injury. That's also possible. Yeah, I felt like I had a head injury after this COVID stuff. Because I was, it was okay, so what, you know, how I imagine a traumatic hand, head injury must feel. So I'm getting. So close what you here. want to
1: do is just make sure it's as close to the tune that you can as possible.
0: This is the wrong wrong. I feel like it's an octave so, higher, though. Can I do that?
1: Yeah, just keep turning the wheel until you get to where you think it's at.
0: Okay, hold on. I'm sorry to be concentrating. There
1: on. we go.
0: I'm getting close here. That's right. That's it. Okay.
1: Okay, and now yeah. hold it right up to your ear yeah. as close as you can. And you want it to be as basically as loud as it can Ugh. for about two minutes. Oh, it's not going to be fun.
0: Lovely. Yeah, it's
1: not going to be great. And Am if I, you think it's, yeah, and if you think ahead. it's going it, to, it changes. So this happens sometimes too. Is as you're doing it, you're like, actually, it's a little higher, a little lower. Yeah. Change it as you're listening to it um, to get to a point where it's equal. It's, it's to It's funny. What you're I can
0: hear the ringing at the same time as I'm hearing the.
1: So you may want to change yeah. the tune yeah. just a little yeah. bit. Yeah, the funny thing is, the first time I tried this with patients, I was like, this is going to look so goofy. Uh, and sure enough, they're like,
0: It's making me dizzy. I can't hear it anymore. Is dizziness a part of the deal? Uh, dizziness is more common
1: with like a dehiscence. Yeah. So usually you can have what's called a Tulio phenomenon uh, where sound will actually induce dizziness. And that's usually something you see with a superior canal dehiscence, which is basically when um, one of the your superior. Vestibular canal gets a little thinning of the membrane, mm-hmm. and you start to get a little fluid out of there. It's lovely, really uncommon. Lovely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hopefully that's not what's going on. Um, but yeah, give it about two minutes. And Gary, tell this me, is me what, two minutes is out. <laughs> this is very usually. Impossible. Usually what I see is either A, it doesn't do anything, which yeah. is very possible. Yeah. Um, B, it makes it way better until it's gone. Or C, it actually makes it worse. Now, if it makes it worse, it's not a bad thing. Yeah. It just means that was too much stimulation. Right. I'm used to everything so then making
0: I'll... it worse. It's okay.
1: <laughs> so then I'll tell the patients to just do like a minute here and there. Uh, but if it does work, even if it comes back a little bit, mm-hmm. you just do that same tone over and over uh, for a few days until it's totally gone. And like I said, it's, there's a lot of things you can do for tinnitus. This is the simplest, quickest, easiest, cheapest
0: way um,
2: to try to get rid of it. Once once it's gone. What, Gary? I was just going to say, you probably have about 30 seconds left, but I wonder if we're not doing a disservice. When you do this with your patients, I suspect they don't have a headphone on the other ear pumping (laughs) audio directly into their head.
1: They don't. but that So a lot of patients will come in with bilateral. And what we usually do is do we try to do it with headphones, and that works the best. If you do it on one side at a time. What ends up happening is one side will get better. Then you have to go to the other side, and it kind of seesaws a little bit, which is strange.
0: I, I, uh, I'm getting a strange nausea, i got to tell well, you. I, can't, I wouldn't call it dizzy, but a strange feeling.
2: I would say your two minutes is about up. But okay. well, we, uh, We're we uniquely established here where I can plug that in and run through the board so you can use headphones. I, <laughs> I don't want it
0: in my other ear, <laughs> trust me.
2: Well, I was just saying you can put yeah. it on just that one ear oh, so I see. that
0: it's more you know, but, concentrated. But so what do I do now that we're two minutes are up?
1: Now you just turn it off. Just get away. Turn it off okay. so that you don't hear it at all. So, hit so that power button should have, in the middle. So usually what will happen is Well, the pitch has changed. Worse.
0: The pitch has changed.
1: That's common as well. Uh, so higher or lower?
0: Higher and a little better.
1: Okay. So what I would do then, and I wouldn't do it right now, is after we're done here, uh, do the same thing with the pitch matching what you have right now until you get it to a point where you're not experiencing that anymore. H-
0: hang on while I take the headphones off for a second. I just want to try to tune in. The fact that I have to tune into it is a good thing. So hold on.
1: It's a great thing.
2: This is a yeah, severe. You health. know
0: what? It, it's done. It, it's gone to the state it goes to when it's better. This is about as that's good great. as it, this is as good as it gets. Let's put it that way. So when so, when, I, when I say I'm not having my ringing in the ears, this is what I'm experiencing. But it's not normal. That's great. It's not normal. Yeah.
1: So again, you probably didn't sustain some sort of stressor or injury or whatever. Yeah. Um, but the fact that this makes a change means that there's plasticity there. So what I would say is, if that's working, oh, see, it's coming tone. back.
0: It's coming back already. when I, when I have this headphone on. As soon as I put the headphone on, it started coming back a little bit.
1: Because remember, what we're trying to do is get activation to that area. The headphone is depressing all that input. So I'm sure having headphones on all the time doesn't help a lot. Yeah. But all I would do is after this, you know, three, four, five, six times a day, minute or two, same pitch, hook it up to headphones. Um, and that usually goes away within two or three days, oh
0: man would that be awesome because i 've been just dealing with this forever <laughs> this I've, I thought yeah. I thought I was going to have to wait it out or live with it because it's uh it's pre- it gets pretty intense It's rough so, yeah when I, and I, this don 't get bothered by stuff i i have a I have a, a high capacity to sort of ignore or, or whatever you know to divert my attention elsewhere um, but when I tune in on it in particular if i 'm really tired or been doing a lot of stress. <laughs> Um, it's bad. I will now, co-sign. Worse, I will yeah.
2: co-sign that you do not often complain about things, and yeah. this has been all of 2021.
0: Oh, really? I've been talking oh, about it every oh, time and, I see uh, you. It comes yeah. up
2: one way or another.
0: Well, because it, it it's also symbolically. I don't symbolically. It's, it's the it's the it's the surrogate for my. It's post-COVID. a reminder of your COVID, yeah. it, it, It's actually a barometer. So when I, my post-COVID gets worse, the tinnitus gets worse. So it's h- how I know my post-acute stuff is yep. alive and well.
2: And that's how you were – at the time that you were uh, talking more about fluvoxamine, that was how you were describing you knew it was working. Yeah. You would t- talk yeah. about the adjustment in your tinnitus. Yeah.
0: So I went on fluvoxamine, Luvox, which has this sigma-1 anti-inflammatory property that's shown to have some good pro- good effect on COVID. And it helped. It really helped. And, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't want to stay on it too long, so after about two weeks, I tapered, and I got worse again, but not bad. It clearly helped me, it clearly helped me. It helped me function was the main thing, because I, I had some very busy days in New York last week, and uh, I could not have done it the week before, I just couldn't, and uh, I was able to. Uh, so that's interesting. And now, if you've given me the way to deal with the last remaining significant symptom, which is the tinnitus, <laughs> that would be fantastic, because it yeah. it's it's, it's, yeah, it's, just bothersome, that's all. Yeah,
1: so, it's annoying.
0: Well, you've heard me talk about our friends at BetterHelp. It's a customized online therapy. They offer video, phone, even live chat sessions with your therapist. You don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want, or you can if you do. And, look, you deserve to be happy. Uh, people get kind of weird about waiting in wait rooms and, and uh, making appointments with therapists, but it's so easy. The, the threshold, the barrier is so Low, just use BetterHelp. I've referred family, friends. I'm very impressed with the services they offer. And it's much more affordable than in-person therapy. You can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what therapy is really about. It may or may not be for you, but it's worth looking into because you are your greatest asset. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and the Dr. Drew listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com. That is BetterHelp. H-E-L-P, com slash D-R-E-W. Hey, everybody. I'm going to speak again to my friend, Dr. Noel Reed, board-certified family f- physician and consulting physician for Celtriant Cellular Nutrition. She and I have been having a, a little series here on the Celtriant products and uh, very interesting stuff. I really, I do believe we should be paying a lot of attention to our cellular health, particularly as we age. And Celtrian has another product that is designed to help protect as we age, Correct.
3: That is correct. So thanks for having me, Dr. Drew. You True. bet. Welcome back. So when we talk about protection, I think we should maybe speak briefly about free radicals. We mm-hmm. uh, hear that a lot, and I think a lot of people don't really understand what that even means. You mm-hmm. know. And so Free radicals don't have a, they can have a big impact on how our cells age. And while some level of free radicals are normal, XX amounts can contribute to speeding up our body's aging process. From within, so at the cellular level. So just to define, free radicals are molecules with lone electrons without a pair, and they seek out other electrons to latch onto an attempt to stabilize themselves. So damage can be caused when free radicals steal electrons from other otherwise stable molecules like cell membranes, DNA, or protein. And this can lead to molecules becoming damaged and unstable. So an imbalance of oxidative stress can manifest itself in many different ways. So that's where we may see premature fine lines and wrinkles that we don't want, (laughs) fatigue, muscle weakness, impaired immunity, right? So- sources of of this would include pollution, excess sun exposure, smoking, diet high in fat and sugar, um, excess alcohol consumption. So making a few changes to our lifestyle is certainly important. So eating healthy, not smoking, uh, wearing our SPF. Uh, But it's important to take steps to ensure that you're keeping your antioxidant levels in balance and to help protect your cells from oxidative stress. So this is where antioxidants come in. Right. So antioxidants are molecules that help to fight these free radicals and combat this oxidative damage. So I think most of us are aware of the typical antioxidants, right, like vitamin C, vitamin E, selenium that we can get from, you know, our diets or carrots, citrus fruits, cold grains. But there's another antioxidant that, uh, Dr. Drew, many people may not know about, and that's glutathione. I know you're you're familiar with that. I am.
0: It's, it's been coming up quite a bit, particularly in the cell protection and aging literature.
3: Yes. So in anti-aging, we hear about this a lot. Um, glutathione is what we consider our master antioxidant. So it helps protect our cells from oxidative stress. It also is important for mitochondrial health detoxification and normal immune function. So essentially glutathione helps to neutralize the destructive free radicals and that helps to safeguard or protect our cells. So unfortunately, as we get older, guess what? Glutathione levels decrease. <laughs> so we have glutathione naturally in our cells, intracellularly, but as we get older, they, they decrease and the amino acids that are needed to build glutathione also decrease.
0: Mm-hmm. And so the protect product addresses that.
3: Exactly. So incorporating a product like Seltreant Cell Cellular Protect can help provide those um, those needed amino acids, the building blocks for glutathione. So Seltreant Cell Cellular Protect contains glycine and N-acetylcysteine. So these are essential amino acids that you can't get. Nec- you can't get from the diet. And these are the building blocks for glutathione so when the building blocks of glutathione are in adequate supply the cell can make as much glutathione as it needs in response to changing levels of oxidative stress Um, so cell cellular protect um, is a dietary supplement that comes in both a capsule and drink mix in powder form and the drink form actually also contains vitamin e which, as we know, acts as a free radical scavenger, and it also contains vitamin C, riboflavin, zinc, and selenium, which all help to support glutathione synthesis as well.
0: And immune function. Yes. Fantastic. (laughs) Excellent. Dr. Reed, thank you so much for sharing this product with us and uh, explaining the science behind it.
3: No problem. Thanks for having me again.
0: And visit CellTriant.com for more information. Take a short quiz under Find Your CellTriant tab. Discover which Celtrian products fit your needs. Use that code DrDrew10 at checkout for a 10% discount. So um, we didn't get into depth. We got about less than five minutes. Uh, Depths about what's in your uh, nutrient mixes. Do you want to highlight a couple of things before we go?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, basically it's kind of what I went back to is I literally went through all of the papers and it has anything shown in research in the specific dosages in the right combinations, uh, to reduce and eliminate migraine. So that's what the MQ7 is. It's the preventative. So you have the B6-9, you have the fever fuse, you have the butter burrs, um, you have the CoQ10s, you have the magnesiums, it, literally anything you've heard of it's in there. But then there's also, uh, like I said, Dr. Hyatt is the, um, the doctor there that helps to, to, to formulate everything. He also has a proprietary blend has been using for concussion, which uses amino acids and neurotransmitter precursors. And we've put all that together. So it's kind of a Ooh, combo of the research. I
0: wonder that. if they, because, you know, again, this post COVID feels like a global Concussive type injury. I wonder if we, please yeah. send me that and I will start taking it and see if it helps my post COVID stuff. It'd be interesting, right?
1: Yeah, that yeah. And he I mean he's done a great form. We used it beforehand, his that specific formulation, the migraine one, we just added a bunch. So I'll get you the info on, yeah. on the other one as well. Um so that's that one. And then like I said, the the ginger is this proprietary extraction and then delivery method
0: uh
1: for high dose ginger So we gotta put we did, Gary's so.
0: wife on that. And your sister, I guess too, right? Yeah, the M Q seven sister. I,
1: So normally when I treat patients, uh, because I see a lot of people from out of town, I actually, I have my offices in Santa Barbara and Beverly Hills, uh, where I have two doctors that run most of it, Dr. Silver and Dr. Perman. They're amazing. And then I'll fly over to the East Coast about three or four times a year and do a couple treatments there uh, for patients. But when they're coming from out of town, I start with hormones and nutrition. And the easiest thing you can do is start the MQ7 because it's, you don't have to do anything other than take it. Um, and then we start the diet that way, all of the withdrawal symptoms and all the, you know, adjusting to a new diet can be out of the way before we end up, um, having them for in-person treatment In our in-person treatment. We actually will see people three, four, sometimes five times a day for a week straight. And all they do is eat and sleep and get treated. And that's where we do, whether it's, Manual therapies, physical therapy type stuff, uh, vestibular rehab, laser therapy, um, uh, neuro-ophthalmology type stuff, whatever it is that's specific to them, we hammer them over that week and then we're able to give them things to do uh, when they go home. So that's that's kind of how we approach this. And that's, that's what I've been teaching. That's what the book's about. And it's really to give hope to people that are suffering because the majority of my patients are in that chronic migraine stage where they're having 15, 20, 30 a month. And when we can get that down to one or two or none, uh it's it it's life changing and, and it's been a really
0: rewarding thing to do. Well, where do people go to find more?
1: Uh so our our website is ixneurone.com. That's that has all the information about our practices. If you want to learn more about the supplements, that's biogenicnutrition.com. If you want to follow us on Instagram, uh we're pretty active there. We're at migraine doctors. That's probably the best way. And if you're a doctor watching this and you're interested in the postdoctoral program that I teach, that's through the Carrick Institute uh, that's out of Florida, and you can find more information about it there.
0: All right, my friend, it's Dr. Adam Harcourt. Thank you so much, and we uh, maybe should follow up and give you a report on how Gary's poor sister and, and uh, wife do. And your I, tinnitus. Yeah, and yeah. my tinnitus. we got a lot to report to you about.
2: <laughs> I am literally, I literally just texted them both the link to MQ7, so. Uh. Great. Awesome.
1: Well, let me know how they like it, because uh, we've had great success, and, and we want to make sure people are, are feeling better. So that's the goal.
0: All right, my friend, thank you so much, and we'll see you all next time.